Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbytes author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Juliet Clark, a dynamic and sought-after speaker and podcaster who has spent the last 20 years helping authors, coaches, speakers, and small businesses all over the world build expert platforms. Corporate companies, startups, and author and speaker incubators worldwide have benefited from Juliet's unique and massively effective method of mastering lead generation and qualification for expert status. Juliet created a platform building tool that assesses audience obstacles, generates leads, and qualifies leads for businesses. This simple technology can be used on social media, from the stage, and at workshops to build email lists and create conversations that build long-term relationships with potential clients. Juliet, welcome to the Skill Bites Show. I'm so excited to have you here today to teach people how to build their platforms. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Can you start off by telling us how did you get into this business of helping people build their platforms? So a really roundabout way, uh, I started out of college in traditional publishing, and then I went on to advertising and worked on some uh, big accounts at Shy Day, and then went on to Mattel Toys in 2007. I wrote my first book and I self-published, and I realized that the self-publishers out there were not helping people properly prepare for their book launches and, and having that audience and being able to build an audience. So um, in 2016, I connected with this software, which uh, I did not build the software, but we have consulting built on the software that helps uh, authors, coaches, and speakers build their audiences. Well, let's, um, let's back up a little bit more. Um, <laughs> can you explain what exactly is a platform and why should you have one? So your platform is all of the places where you're seen, where you're building your niche audience. So what happened to us back in the beginning was that people were bringing us their books and they had gone, and I, I know you've seen this, Judy, you've been around the block like I have in the, the digital world for a while. Uh, they would go to a business growth meeting of some sort, and the guru in the room would tell them that they needed that expert book in order to sell products and services. Many of them articulated that their products and services weren't selling. So when they brought us those books, um, we had to give them the bad news that your products and services probably aren't selling because you haven't built a platform. You haven't built the right audience. So, you know, there was, it was sort of a deep dive into, had you connected with your audience in advance? Did you create products that they really wanted? Or was it something that you thought they wanted? And it's the same thing with a book before you, you get really invested in writing that book. You need to know that it's something that people want. Exactly. Yeah, because when your book is out, if you don't have the audience there, then your book is going to struggle. Yeah, it is. So 
how do you build a platform? So building a platform requires, first of all, and this is going to shock everybody, that you authentically show up, meaning that you don't try to pretend to be someone else. You show up as you and you show up, whether it's online, whether it's out speaking, wherever it is where you are testing your ideas, your thought leader ideas. So building a list, building a social media following, being able to connect with people um, in many different ways. And here's the kicker on it and getting feedback. You have to be able to build relationships and get feedback on what you're doing, what you're promoting, and and really be able to refine it so that it does meet those audience needs. So in a nutshell, Judy, it's having an audience, an engaged audience. Okay. So I'm not exactly sure if I was an author, they came to you and they'd say, well, I'm not exactly sure how you want me to go about doing that. What would you say? What works for you authentically in the best way? So when you have a platform, you need to show up consistently. So I'll just give you an example. You and I are podcasters. We love podcasting. But if we didn't like speaking and we didn't like podcasting, we probably aren't going to do whatever it is that's building our audience in a consistent way. So it has to, first of all, be really in alignment with the way you communicate. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Because you you and I communicate this way and we love it. But if, for someone who doesn't, who maybe be more of a blog person or a YouTube person. Um, so you need to connect through content, first of all. And I would say that's the place to start. With content, you are able to show off your area of expertise. And the key here for writers is just like it is with writing. You want to be able to show your expertise, not just tell someone you have an expertise. So this is a way that you can communicate and show your expertise in a really authentic, consistent way. So in one sense, it needs to be something that you're comfortable doing. But in another sense, it also has to be where your audience is likely to be. Yes. Yes. Here's a great example of that. A couple of years ago, we had someone come to us who um, wanted to teach people how to go from being a solopreneur to uh, a CEO, like really behaving like a CEO and delegating and, you know, giving out tasks, all of those things that CEOs do that get themselves out of their business instead of being in their business. But she wanted to do that on Facebook. And when we really drilled down to who was her audience, her audience was over on LinkedIn, but she didn't want to learn the skills to be over on LinkedIn because she was so comfortable with Facebook. So it, it, it's sort of a sort of what you just said, not only comfortable where you're at, which means that if your audience is someplace else, you have to become uh, really comfortable with the platform where that audience is at. So what did she do? Uh, I think she went out of business because she refused to go over on LinkedIn and I haven't seen anything from her, um, in quite a while. Um, to be, to be honest, before I go there, though, let me just tell you what she did was she bounced around. I've seen her disappear now, but 
probably for the next year, she bounced around with different types of programs. So from solo to CEO to now she's an abundance coach now, and then she went back to CEO. So she sort of bounced around trying different things and it more, it confused the audience that she had built, however small it was, because then they weren't quite sure what she was an expert at. Well, I guess people can be multiple experts, <laughs> but it's definitely uh, easier to build an audience when you have one focus. Yes. So you put out blogs and maybe podcasts and stuff, but what if you're not getting people to subscribe or you know how, how do you get people to actually come to you that you can then have that platform if they're not well that's where we started the quiz using the quiz the the proprietary quiz platform that we use is uh getting yourself out there and speaking and the whole point of the platform that we use is that it engages people in conversations so one of the things that that I have a hard time communicating to people sometimes um, is that they a click is not a relationship. If you want feedback on your products and services and want to know how to refine them, how to make them sellable, you have to have conversations that really dive into what is it that people need? What are the words they say? I sort of call that reflective marketing, you reflecting those words back to them in your copy. Um, and you need to have those conversations with someone besides your mother or your sister who's just going to love everything you do. You need people that are going to be a little bit critical and really, really get down to the grassroots of what it is they want and need. How much time does it take to build a platform? I would say a minimum nine months, maybe longer. It took me a good two years to build my platform when I first started, because sometimes you're going to have some false starts when you're out there building. Uh, when I first started with my publishing company, I was over on Google Plus. You probably have to be pretty old to remember what Google Plus is, but I was over there. I had a really rocking group. And then about nine to nine months to a year into it, I realized that nobody was purchasing. So I put out a quiz and I found out that nobody had any money which is one of the things that you have to make sure is your audience has purchase power. Right. So um, that was that was sort of my false start with it. And I let that go on for a pretty long time before I shifted gears and really found my stride. Well, tell us a little bit more about your quiz. What? How does it work? So the quiz that we use, uh, the, the software is actually very unique. It was created by Jane Duber. And um, what it does is it, it breaks... Uh, what you do down into categories and statements. So the real magic of this is we take the success principles of what you teach and we break it down into categories and then statements where people can evaluate where they at, where they're at in relationship to success. So what that does for people when they get the results is it clearly breaks out in their results email so that they can see where they have gaps and why they aren't reaching the success they're looking for. The second thing that the quiz does is we really query about the lead generation, lead qualification part. We have a section where we query about, are they 100% to solving the problem that you solve? Are they 100% committed? Uh, we do that because we don't want to work with wishy-washy people. We want action takers. 
are they committed to investing to solve the problem? And that's where we eliminate people who perhaps don't have the money to hire you, but here you are chasing them around, trying to convince them that they should hire you. And then thirdly, would they connect with you? Would they have that conversation with you about how you can help them? Based on those three answers, there are three autoresponders that go out in the background and they receive a commitment-based offer. So if somebody's very high commitment, we want to, of course, get them on our calendar. We want to be able to bring them into our space and start having a conversation about how can we how we can help them, if we can help them. Sometimes the conversation is, can we help them? But those are the people who have said, yes, I want to solve this problem. I have the money to invest, and I would love to talk to you. The second space on there, the second email is more of a nurture space. Those are the people who, you know, they, they may be a little bit wishy-washy or they might not have the funds right now. Um, but based on their answers, they are definitely interested. So those are the people that you want to feed really great content to and start warming them up, start building their trust. A lot of times what happens, Judy, is they'll be in a room and you'll, you'll be speaking and they will love that Judy's there. They love what Judy has to say, but they're not quite sure like how Judy fits into their world. So by being able to nurture them in a more meaningful way, give them the content that they say they need per the results of their quiz, now you're connecting with them in a, in a better way. And not only that, some of those people will want to talk to you. And those are your people that you know that maybe they will be in a position to purchase in two to three to four months. So they get into your conversation, your follow-up stream. And then probably 80% of any room, 70 to 80% of any, every room, they're sitting there. They're not going to take action. They're overwhelmed by what you've just had to say. And uh, most of the time they go from event to event, but they never really grow what they're doing. They don't, they don't pick up the tips you gave them and run with them. And those are the people that they go into your email list. You email them periodically, hopefully, you know, once a week, but they're not where your focus lies now. Cause you really want to focus on those people who are action takers, learners who want to connect with you. Well, once a week sounds like a lot to uh, reach out to people who are not action takers. I can uh, see you know, reaching out to the nurturing group, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually, the way I work it is everybody on my list gets my podcast every week. So they get my once a week action tap through my list. People who connect that are either in the action or nurture space, I actually go onto LinkedIn. I find them, I connect, and I invite them over to our business page. Um, and if I've actually talked to them and they're not quite ready to purchase, uh, I will choose a podcast that maybe was relevant to where they're struggling and drop that in their inbox, uh, you know, something like that into their inbox occasionally. So, you know, to remind them that I'm still here and I do remember, you know, where they were struggling and that they needed help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's surprising. I'll be nurturing somebody for a couple of years thinking that, you know, they're never gonna take action. And then all of a sudden they email me and say, I'm ready. Like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I actually had someone do that last week. I talked to them a couple of weeks ago. They didn't really seem like they were that interested in the quiz. And I just signed them on this morning. They emailed me out of the blue and said, you know, hey, I'm ready. 
and um, we got everything signed this morning. So it does happen, but you probably, you know, nurtured them in some way to keep that going. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, the old um, adage about it takes seven points of contact. Well, now it's a lot more than that. It's somewhere north of 21 or 22 or something like that. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, people are, I think a lot of people were taken in with the digital platforms and, um, you know, they bought things that they regretted. So I think people are a lot more wary now and they want to get to know you a lot better. Um, and, you know, not just a big, a big, big glossy sales pitch. They want to know and feel really comfortable that you're the person for them. Right. So, um, if it's going to take somebody nine plus months to build a platform, if they don't have much of a platform right now, should they hold off on getting their book done until they've built that platform? Or if they've got the book ready, should they be using that to help them build the platform? If you already have the book ready, then, then you probably should go ahead and use it to build part of the platform. Um, the other thing that quite often happens with us is that people will do it simultaneously. They'll, they'll be in writing the book and they'll find as they're building the platform that there are areas that they, they can go in and rewrite. Cause let's face it. You don't just write the book and hand it off to Judy. It's the, it, it's rewrites, it's reform. There are a lot of things that happen there. So, um, you can do that either way. It, uh, you might find as you're writing the book that you're going to make some changes and, and do some things that are a little bit more engaging when you get the results of those quizzes over and over and, and start talking to people and actually getting feedback. Right. And, um, you know, the book is a great opportunity for you to build a platform, generate leads um, by either having opt-ins in the book or using the book itself as an opt-in or um, part of your, your funnel. Um, do you find that as well? We do actually, we encourage our clients to put a different quiz inside of their book. Cause here's the thing you have to remember. Uh, we have, we have people that use the quiz in many ways to build their platform. Things like Amazon. If I go over and buy my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble, they have all the stats. We know how many people bought our book, but we don't know who bought our book. So when we put a quiz inside, we get a lot of information about our readers, but we also get that contact information and we get email address, we get phone number because that's what we collect inside the quiz. So now we have the opportunity to pick up the phone and maybe invite those people to an event. So it's more personalized contact, uh, contact than normally. Same thing when you have a podcast. We have a lot of people that when they're building their, their platform, they will make the quiz their podcast advertisement, their ad inside of it, because they can collect leads off there and know who's qualified, who's not, and, and start driving traffic to those people as well. So you have to remember, those are the things I call off-platform. With a podcast, iTunes owns our stats. We know how many people listen. We know what the download rate is, but we don't actually know who those people are. And a great example of how important it is to know who those people are is back in 2018, we had a client come to us and she was doing a radio show. It was a women's empowerment show and she was leading people on her ads to a Facebook group. 
everything was pink. It was women's empowerment. And uh, she didn't understand why people weren't going from the show into the Facebook group because the radio station was telling her that she had a particular demographic. So many people were listening. When we got down and put that quiz in the ad, we found that 60% of her listeners were men. Wow. And they were listening to the show to see how it was back with, I think Me Too was going on back then. And they wanted to figure out how they could help the women in their lives. And so what transpired from that is that she changed the Facebook group. She changed the name. She changed her branding color and made it a lot more inclusive. And as she built that platform, she had a very successful event in New York City. And before she had had events and hardly anybody showed up. But now she had men and women at her events and it was far more successful. So sometimes we think we know who's listening, but we don't actually know who's listening. Right. So how, how would you suggest putting a quiz in a book or a podcast? So what we do in the books is we have, we put it in the introduction, the preface usually, and it's a, it's usually positioned as let's find out how much you know about this before you dive into this book. And then we have it again at the end where, you know, we can see that people have taken it twice and we say, hey, let's let's congratulate yourself on how much you've learned and take this again. So that's how we do there Um, on a podcast. Of course, it's an it's an ad. And um, if you guys have ever listened to my podcast, I position at the beginning is um, let's find out if you're ready to publish your book. Do you have all the pieces in place? Interesting. And you get people who are taking the quiz and we, giving yeah. you the information. Exactly. Yeah, we really do. That's great. Because there's lots of opt-in opportunities, but you know, not everybody, you might wind up getting, if you have, let's say a hundred readers in your your report shows 100 people bought your book, you might get five or 10 people actually opting in, but maybe you get a higher percentage with quizzes. With the quizzes, we find that it is sort of instant gratification information. If I give you an ebook, then you have to print it, you have to read it, or if you can read it online. Um, there, there's something that needs to be expended that's long term on their part. With the quiz, it's sort of a win-win because I'm, I'm about to give you information that'll take you about three minutes on how much you really know about this topic. And then it's a win-win for the sense for the entrepreneur or the author because they're starting to gather information as well. One of the great things about the success principles, the way they're laid out is um, it, it's validation and you can really start to see where people are struggling. Um, as opposed to, you know, if I give you an ebook, yes, you opt in, but I don't have all that information about what my readers really, really need from me. So now I can start to reformat my content. Um, in some cases, revamp my programs to make them a little bit more uh, user-friendly as far as the copy. Now I have words and, and that are actually resonating with my audience when I build copy, as well as when I talk to them. Um, you'd be surprised when you get on a conversation with someone what they will actually tell you about what's going on with their business and their book and their life. And sometimes it's even TMI. <laughs> well, but then you have to know who they are before you can get that conversation. Exactly. Um, 
So if a quiz helps you find out who's interested in your subject, you get the information of what their needs are and you also get the contact information to be able to follow up. Yeah, you, you definitely do. And if you're really analyzing those quiz results, you can see the patterns. Um, it, it, it doesn't end up being ran, random as people take it over and over. I consistently see on my lead logic quiz that people don't know much about funnels and um, we all need a funnel. So you have to get funnel savvy. Well, speaking of funnels, why don't you um, explain to the audience what a funnel is and how do you use it? How do you put <laughs> one together? So uh, putting one together, that's, that's one of the beauties of the software we use. It is, it is a mini self-contained funnel. So putting it together, first you need something that's a giveaway that's engaging, that's really going to pique the interest of your audience. So I, I think that's the first hurdle. Um, Judy, I don't know about you when, when you put yours together for your readers but, um, or for your authors, but one of the things I used to see a lot is people would tell me they have an opt-in, but nobody, nobody really opts in. So you have to understand, is it engaging? Where are you going to use it? And watch the analytics there of where it's being used effectively. Because part of the funnel process is taking those pieces that are successful and replicating them. So um, as far as the rest of the funnel, um, it's just a traffic flow. Where are you taking people from place to place? So all of that has to be planned out. It's not just random. Uh, okay, I've got you on an opt-in and here's my ebook or quiz or whatever it is. Now, what are the next steps you want them to take? And once they take that, what is the next step you want them to take after that? So it's really about having a plan where you're going to lead them and how you're going to lead them there. And then making sure, looking at the analytics, that it's engaging and that they are going in the direction you would like to lead them to. Right. So if you get a lot of people opting in to your freebie, that's great. But then if nobody's taking the next step to purchase your coaching or your uh, course or uh, mastermind or whatever it is, um, then you've got some work to do to figure out how to get them to take action. And, and maybe you're not pre-qualifying them at the freebie stage well enough um, to get the right people who are going to take action. Yeah, that, that is a distinct possibility. And it's getting more and more difficult. It used to be, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Judy would throw a webinar, she'd sell a $2,000 product and people would just click. People are much more hesitant to do that now than they used to be because they didn't, a lot of those people who are out there doing that didn't give a lot of value. So you really have to have those triggers along the way that build trust now to be able to have the conversations to close those deals. Um, and I, I'll give you an example, Judy, do people ever just look at one of your packages online and click or do you have to have a conversation with them first? Oh, 99% of the time it requires a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, I think most entrepreneurs would tell you that is people are not going to part with their money without understanding that you are the right choice for them. And, and that requires a conversation. Marketing is a lot like dating. Um, you know, we're not going to sit down at, at our first date and, and commit to marrying someone. We need to, we need to do a little dating and a little nurturing, a little dancing. 
Right. Yep. Okay. So, um, are there different ways that you see people using their book that you can talk about? Uh, yeah. So speaking, I mean, I think that's the, that's pretty much the way that most of us look at it is when we're out speaking, it's a great, um, it's a great way to drive traffic into our funnel. Um, I know one of our, we have one of the chicken soup for the soul guys who works with us and he, he actually gives away a free copy when he speaks inside the quiz funnel. Um, the free shipping book funnels, if you want to use those to bring people back into products and services from your book, uh, that's a great way. Um, workshops. Uh, one of our clients, Merrill Chandler, just made the bestseller list and he beat a Dave Ramsey book. So very proud of him. He's been using his book in his workshop for over a year now. And, and before we even got into distribution, he had sold over 2000 copies within his workshop. So the, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways that you can use this book. Which I think a lot of people figure that they'll sell copies of the book, but actually there's so many more uses of the book that are far better than just the selling of the book because you don't make a whole lot of money from book sales, but you can make a lot more money if you give your book away to somebody who becomes a client or you bundle it into the price of your workshop or whatever. Absolutely. Um, your book is a loss leader. I guess that's probably the best way to put it mm -hmm. is um, you're never going to be Richard Branson's neighbor from selling books. It's, it's the products and services that you're able to incorporate it into. I'll give you an example uh, with Merrill. The way he's been using his in a workshop is when he goes out and speaks, uh, people come into his quiz. He has different levels of workshop participation. So $97, you get the workshop. Nine, I think it's $197, you get the workshop, the book, and some other gift. And I know he sends out swag bags with those as well. And then I think it's $497, you get the workshop, the book, uh, the swag bag, and a free consultation with him. Well, it's not free because you paid $497. But right. having those different levels in there, um, people are most people bite into the middle one that that gives them the book. So he, you know, he has a way of getting the book out there and the nature of his book, people share the book with their friends as well. It's right. Great. Yeah. Um, one of the strategies that I was um, telling people in my newsletter is to do a buy one, get one of your book, mm -hmm. because if your aim is to get your book in as many hands as possible, then you'll get it in twice as many hands and you'll get more people buying it because they'll get a second free book that they can then give to somebody else where that'll make them look good to be giving a book to somebody. Yeah. And presumably they'll give it to somebody who they think would benefit from it. And so that's a, a warm lead for you uh, getting a copy of your book. Yeah, exactly. There are so many great strategies out there. What are some of the strategies that um, that you find are being really um, great for authors these days? Uh, I use the free shipping book funnel for myself and a couple of my clients use them as well. 
um, just understanding that that book is the loss leader and you're really leading them into uh, a, a program of some sort that that builds trust. So um, a lot of times we'll use that if you if you go into if you buy the book, just like I said with uh, with Merrill, if you buy the book, you might get a workshop. Um, I'm trying to think Laura used hers at an event and if you bought the book, you uh, you got a free course in there that was a, a pretty substantial course that she gave for free. So you're really leading people back into other products and services. I think that is one of the best the best ones that that I've seen people use. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen not the free shipping. Recently, I've seen a lot of authors who are giving the book away and charging $7.95 for the shipping. That, so you get yeah. their $25 book for $7.95 but what they're essentially doing is making sure that if you are willing to pay $7.95, then you're a much better lead than if you get the book for free. Yeah, that's what I call a free shipping book funnel. You're, you're, co you're covering the cost of shipping. But many of those have an upsell in them, which is where we get people back into our products and services. So when you get the free shipping book, you have an opportunity that like I know Laura sold into a $97 course. So, you know, she gave away, I think almost a $500 course. You got to, you got to see it that one time at $97 if you wanted to upsell into it. So it is, it's the same thing. It just has a, an extra added step on there. Yep. Yeah. So it's actually, I mean, it, you're not paying the shipping, they're paying the shipping, but you've purchased the book at some cost far less than the $25 or whatever that it's selling for, but nevertheless. Yeah. Um, or you can uh, say, you know, buy my book at the, the going rate and um, I'll give you a coupon to get into my workshop or course or whatever for some significantly discounted amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I know with Merrill, when he used his, he if you just upgraded, you got a great swag bag. He had t-shirts and all sorts of things that were in there. And um, his book was called The New F Word. So you can imagine what the t-shirts <laughs> were like. <laughs> People really liked them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're driving people to purchase your book and then they send you the order number or whatever, then you're also more likely to um, gain the status on Amazon of a bestseller, which mm -hmm. helps Amazon um, promote your book more. Exactly. Yeah. We do a lot of bestseller campaigns mm -hmm. alongside that. Um, anything else that you can think of that helps authors either understand their audience or, or use their books? Understanding their audiences. Um, you have to talk to them. That's, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I think in the last couple of years, Judy, we've gotten into where we, when we go to events, we learn how to pitch, but they never talk to us about, are we pitching to the right people? I think, I think we're kind of learning to go and we, we go to networks, networking groups and we pitch everybody and um, it's sort of annoying. So we want to be pitching the right people and talking to the right people. Absolutely. Um, Juliet, you're, you're definitely right on there because it's just like with your book. If your, your book doesn't 
meet the needs of your audience, then it's not going to help you. Yeah, exactly. So I understand that you have a quiz offer for the Skillbytes listeners. Yes. So find out if you're really, really ready to publish or if you have some work to do while you're writing that book. Um, You can go over to promoteprofitpublishquiz.com and uh, go through that quiz and see, do you have that audience built? Are you engaging or connecting? Do you have all those pieces in place? Because if you don't get the timing, that launch timing right, you're really, really missing out. So you take that quiz and then how do you use it from there? How do you help your, your clients use their quiz data? Oh, that's a great question. So um, for our clients, we go back through and we take a look at are people clicking? Um, are people setting that appointment? Do we need to go back and make adjustments? Are there areas that maybe need more work? So um, we help people understand where to put it that's effective. So I'll give you a great example. Right now we have someone who wanted to use it on LinkedIn and she wanted a cold outreach. This is not a cold outreach tool. You really want to be able to use this in front of a warm type audience and find out what's going on with them. So um, understanding where to use it, how to use it, and what are the next steps once you have people in there. Um, Where are you going to take people? What are those conversations going to sell? Um, I'm really all about ethical enrollment. So, um, and you probably have been to sales courses where they say, start with the $25,000 offer and then sell them down as they say no. I feel like this is a tool where you can really ethically speak to people now and say, you know, hey, Judy, this is where you really need to be today to get where you want to be versus overwhelming people with stuff they'll never use. So um, we go into a lot of that as well. Um, You know, what is it? What are your first, second, third tier sales here? Right. And so the free quiz gives you a certain amount of information, but if you want to use your quizzes in a book, in your workshop, in whatever, um, then you have a program that lets people do that to customize their quizzes. Uh, well, you know what, the way that we work with people on their quizzes is um, there is there's usually three to five sessions, consulting sessions. It sort of depends on how new you are, how solid your messaging is. There, there's some variables there. So in the process of that, that's where we talk about where are you planning on using it? This is how you can get that into that, that place because it seems like people have different areas of expertise. Some people want workshops. Some people want to use it on social media. Some people do videos that up until last year, they used to go out and speak a lot. <laughs> Are you using it on a summit? So we really, we really dive deep. Um, we work with one company that does podcast guesting. So um, people use it at when they're guests on a podcast. That's their um, that's their invite, their free giveaway. So we we dive into where are your best places, where are you more comfortable, what's most effective. Um, so there, there's a lot to those consulting sessions because we don't just want to build it; we want it to be used. Right. It's not just build it; they will come. It's uh, you've got to build it right, and you've got to constantly be analyzing and determining what's working and tweaking and testing and all that stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's good practice for them because a lot of them have had funnels built in the past and the people who built the funnels didn't teach them how to do that. And that probably, you know, for a lot of people, I'd say they're throwing their their funnels out, you know, the, like the baby with the bathwater because they don't understand them. And the more you understand about your marketing, the, the more engaged you're going to be in the process. Great. Okay. So, well, that's, um, that's really great. I want to just make sure that people are aware, again, of your gift to them is this quiz that they can go to at Promote Profit publishquiz.com to find out how ready they are to publish their book. Yeah, thank you. So if there was one thing that you wanted listeners to take from this podcast interview, what would that be? That you need that platform before you publish. <laughs> okay, very good. couple um, quick, fun questions for you. What's, what's one thing that people don't know about you? Oh, um, that I have a black belt in Taekwondo. Ah, I have a black belt in Taekwondo as well. You're like my twin, Judy. You golf. <laughs> you. <laughs> yep. I went on and got my second degree, but I hurt my back right before I got my second degree black belt. I still took the test, but he didn't make me do much of the sparring or breaking or whatever. Uh-huh. There's a lot that I couldn't do, but it was like two months before I was due to test. But I, then I, I just stopped at that point. I actually did not go through with my second degree test because I did an elbow strike and hit it wrong. And to this day, um, if I, it's it's in a different place than if you had like an elbow twang when you get that funny bone. It's in a right. different spot, but it will twang up and down my arm. That was kind of my wake up call to you know what you're 47 years old. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was doing that in my 30s, and now I'm doing Tai Chi, and I really enjoy that. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. yeah good. You might want to look into it. It's you're not making any contact for one thing. <laughs> Yeah, the contact. I do remember Taekwondo uh, on sparring night. I was sparring 16 year old, 17 year old boys. And, you know, the next day they would come in and they'd be like, oh, let's go at it again, Mrs. Clark. And, you know, that they would be like a mega Advil day and I could barely move. Like, dude, I'm old enough to be your great grandmother. Like, <laughs> no, they don't understand how hard they're hitting. <laughs> or that the recovery time is more now. <laughs> yep. So, next question What is your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, favorite vacation spot. That's a great question. Um, probably France. I love France. Interesting. That's um, that seems to be a very popular answer. Yeah. Um, whether it's France or Paris or whatever, a lot of people really enjoy going to France. Yeah. I, I've been several times. I really enjoy France as well. Do you? Yeah. I don't know Paris so much, but um, the countrysides are just amazing and beautiful and. The houses are so cute. <laughs> yep. Okay. And um, last one. When I retire, I will be living where and doing what? I will be living right where I live in Sandy, Utah, and I will be hiking every single day that there's no snow. 
Well, you know, you can still hike in the snow as well. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I don't like the cold. Winter and I aren't friends yet. I'm a California transplant. Ah, right. Well, you know, you can always vacation in southern France or California or wherever else during the, the snowy weather. There you go. There you, I'll, I'll become a Floridian during the winter. Yep, there's a lot of people who go down there for the winter. Great golf, too. Yep. Okay, well, Juliet, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your expertise, as well as your gift to my listeners to find out if they're ready to get their books done at promoteprofitpublishquiz.com. Thank you. It was a great honor to be on your show. 